Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Our Army at War, number 168, cover date June 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist Joe Cooper, edited by Robert Kaniger, featuring Sergeant Rock in I Knew the Unknown Soldier, written by Robert Kaniger, art by Joe Cooper. Plus, from Heartthrobs number 102, episode one of Three Girls, Their Lives, Their Loves, dramatized for you today by Social Iso Nation, the eastern panhandle of West Virginia's only social distance theater troupe. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go go. and Easy Company are pinned down by an enemy gun position located on a cliff. Rock witnesses a lone soldier swing down from the top of the cliff and destroy the enemy guns. However, the soldier disappears. Confused? Don't worry. I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. Our army at war. (laughs) Hey. Hey. um, How's your quarantine going? Oh, it's going, oh, it's going all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. Says who? Says, what do you mean? What was that? That was me turning off my Bluetooth speaker. Oh. I was led to believe that working from home would lead to a lot more downtime. Yeah, I've been observing you. Uh, well, I mean, you were, I work upstairs and you work downstairs. Yes. You seem to work all day. Right? Right? I don't understand it. Because I certainly don't work all day when I'm actually at work. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. Hmm. It's, I don't know. You're always taking calls and doing things yes, and I've moving your hands over your keyboard. conferences and typing. And, mm-hmm. Well, I'm very busy. You? Well, it's a heck of a time for college right now. Timestamp, it's uh, the middle of March and we're all quarantined from the coronavirus. Right. 2020. And, um... It's just a heck of a time for higher education. Actually, actually for all education, because everybody is, is dealing with people not going to school. Yes. And um, the hardest part is that not a lot of people have access to computers or high-speed internet access, or even some people don't have internet access at home. Right. Not so, where we live. What do you in mean? The, in, the, in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. get... A mile off the main road, and you don't have anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank goodness we're on a main road. So, I mean, the great thing is we live in a lovely home, and the sun just floods into these rooms when we're working, and it's just wonderful, and I'm very, very, very grateful that we have um, a place to work, and we have high-speed internet, and 
we have each other and we enjoy each other's company, which is more Let's than... Let's not stretch things too far. Uh, oh, ouch. JK, JK, I as know. the kids would say. I know. Hey, today we're looking at our Army of War featuring Sergeant Rock, who has a prominent logo on the cover. I can't remember if he did last issue as well. What, the Sergeant Rock? The Sergeant Rock logo is bigger than the Our Army at War logo. And in fact, eventually Sergeant Rock will just take over the title of this particular comic magazine. Okay. Um, Featuring Sergeant Rock holding a giant bazooka Mm -hmm. and punching some Nazis. Nazis. As he is wont to do. Yeah. Uh, This is DC's Battle Blockbuster. So let's dive right in. All right, let's go. I knew the Unknown Soldier, not to be confused with the actual character of the Unknown Soldier, who would later headline, I believe, Star Spangled War. My goodness. You know lots of things, don't you? I do, surprisingly, because I never read war comics growing up, unless one of these characters would cross over into, like, The Brave and the Bold, or DC Comics Presents, where they teamed up with Superman and Batman. Yeah. As both Sergeant Rock and the Unknown Soldier did. Yeah. The Unknown Soldier had a bandaged face, like Negative Man. Really? Yeah. And I believe he would he was like a super disguise artist, so he would like go behind enemy lines and disguise himself as Himmler or oh, okay. something and All right. solve war crimes. Seems to me it would have been more would have made more sense to have him his face just obscured or blurred all the time. Well, I mean, That's why you're not an editor. No, not a superhero. He was just a regular soldier who had a disfigured face or something. And so okay. he used his disfigurement for the good of all mankind. So um, I just want to say right now uh, on the splash page, yep. I, I knew right away that I was going to really enjoy this comic. Really? Yeah. How did you know? The artwork. The artwork is great. Artwork yep. by Joe Kubert, widely known for his work in war comics mm. and his... Uh, Sons now are penciling things. Are they really? I don't know what they do. Okay. Um, one of them did a long run on X-Men. Graffiti on bathroom walls. No, no, no. They're comic book artists. Mm. And uh, Joe Kubert founded a school of comic art. Oh. Which is churning out popular artists to this day. Okay, cool. Uh, Sergeant Rock, standing in the rain in front of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, located in Arlington National Cemetery, close by in Washington, D.C. I've been there. We, we've been there. Well, yes, yes. I wanted you to be allowed to speak for yourself. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. And I have also been there. <laughs> Sergeant Rock saying, I knew the Unknown Soldier. Yeah, me, Sergeant Rock of Easy Company. I met him on a stormy day just like this. Now... This presupposes, I would guess, that Sergeant Rock survives World War II. Yes. For reasons which I'll get to later. Um, The tomb would have been there during World War II. The unknown soldier? Yeah. Okay. Because it's actually multiple unknown soldiers for multiple wars. Okay. Um, But, well, when you're ready to learn facts about the tomb of the unknown soldier, let me know. Do they have to be actual facts or just sort of facsimile facts? Well, these are from Wikipedia, so they're absolutely true. Okay. Are you ready? I'm absolutely ready. Oh, okay. Well, um, so two unknown soldiers from World War II, one from the European theater, that would have been where Sergeant Rock was, and one from the Pacific theater, 
these are theaters of war, Rob, not theaters no. like you know. No. <laughs> Obviously. They were placed in identical caskets and taken aboard the USS Canberra, a guided missile cruiser resting off the Virginia Capes. Navy Hospital Corpsman. How do you say that? Corman? Corman. First class, William R. Charette, then the U.S. Navy's only active duty Medal of Honor recipient, who was an enlisted man, selected the World War II unknown. Okay. So we don't actually know which one is the unknown soldier from World War II. The remaining casket received a solemn burial at sea. Four unknown Americans who died in the Korean War were disinterred from the National Cemetery of the Pacific in Hawaii, and Army Master Sergeant Ned Lyle made the final selection. Both of these caskets, the one from Korea and the one from World War II, mm-hmm. arrived in Washington on May 28, 1958, where they lay in the Capitol Rotunda until the morning of May 30th, when they were carried on caissons to Arlington National Cemetery. President Eisenhower awarded each the Medal of Honor, and the unknowns of World War II and the Korean War were interred in the plaza beside their World War I comrade, who was already there. Wow. So the opening of this comic then presumably takes place after 1958 okay do you know about the tomb guards i've seen them i've watched them change guard they are soldiers of the united states army the first military guards were troopers from the third cavalry who were posted nearby on fort third Meyer. what third cav cal cavalry thank you what did i say cavalry? uh-huh well the third cross it's practically the same uh <laughs> Since April 6, 1948, when the regiment was reactivated, it has been guarded by soldiers from the 3rd Infantry Regiment, otherwise known as the Old Guard. The Old Guard is also posted to Fort Myer, Virginia, adjacent to Arlington National Cemetery. It is considered one of the highest honors to serve as a sentinel at the Tomb of the Unknowns. Fewer than 20% of all volunteers are accepted for training, and of those, only a fraction pass training to become full-fledged Tomb Guards. Blah, 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 blah. The soldier walking the mat does not wear rank insignia so as not to unrank, unrank? Outrank. Outrank. The unknowns, whatever their ranks may have been, because we don't know because they're unknown. Non-commissioned officers do wear insignia of their rank when changing the guard only. They have a separate uniform without rank that is worn when they actually guard the unknowns. And the duties of the Sentinels are not purely ceremonial. The Sentinels will confront people who cross the barriers at the tomb or whom they perceive to be disrespectful or excessively loud. Well, um, if you've not been to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington Cemetery, you should make it a point to do that before you die. Yes. Um, It is a very solemn, very uh, memorable, and special thing to attend and see. Um, I thought I had something in here about how often they change, but I can't find it. Um, I think they change every half hour during the summer months and every hour during the winter or vice versa. You can go to Wikipedia and read all about it. There's a lot of information on Wikipedia. Uh, Yes. I imagine you could probably, uh, also search youtube and see you know video of it oh probably although i would imagine they frown on filming that sort of thing i would imagine that's probably something that the sentries are armed to prevent also it might be that they have an official an official uh viewing of it so for people who cannot see it oh so you could probably buy that on dvd and have it sent to you in the mail well let's not go too far anyway sergeant rock's gonna have a flashback 
to a time when he and Easy were crossing a river. And someone lowered the boom on them. That means started firing yeah. bombs at them or grenades or something. Oh, I forgot until I just now opened this up. What? <laughs> There's a lot of Native American bigotry Der- in this issue. Derogatory slang, yeah. Uh, Sergeant Rock is dumped into the river along with Ice Cream Soldier, Bulldozer, Little Sure Shot, Jackie the Champ, and Wild Man. Those are some of the soldiers, the combat happy Joes of Easy Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are under fire. They're swimming across the river. They finally uh, get close to the shore, and Sergeant Rock orders them all to make a break for it. They all rush the beach and start climbing the hill where the Jerry's, that's slang for Nazis. The Nazis are are, um, tucked away in a cave in a cliff of the overlooking the the shore. Um, They're firing down on them, but somehow the guys don't get hit. And luckily, Little Sure Shot, who's a Native American, has lots of time to toss off some funny quips. Mm. Like, if I weren't an Indian, I'd laugh. Are Indians known for not laughing? Maybe at this time. I don't know. There, are, I'm sure there are some stereotypes and that are in here that don't belong here. Um, and he, you know, he just... every Every page that he appears on has some sort of insult. To, yes. To American Indians, to Native Americans. Every time he opens his mouth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he might as well. He didn't even, you know, he wouldn't even have to, to insult anyone. He just, he, it would be best if he just opened up his mouth and said, I'm a Native American, and here's my line. <laughs> I'm a Native American, and here's my line. Right. You know. I'm surprised we don't get a war cry. Whoop, uh, whoop, 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 whoop. Well, he does have feathers in his hat. Right. That's how and you know he's an American Indian. Yeah. Uh, probably. Uh, we'd just call him an engine at this time. So the Nazis are in a cave. Mm-hmm. It's a high cliff. The Nazis are in a cave firing down on Easy Company. They're making a, a, an attempt to scale the cliff face. And out of the rain comes a soldier on a rope swinging from above down into the cave to distract the Nazis and what oh he throws, he throws a, grenade a grenade in there yeah there's so many explosions on every page every, i have almost every panel trouble there's, there's keeping so track yeah so the grenade sparks the ammunition that's in the cave the nazis are killed hooray the the unknown soldier see what i did there <clears throat> waves to easy company from atop the cliff he does have an obscured face like you mm-hmm. suggested mm-hmm. earlier um and then disappears by the time Easy Company gets to the top of the cliff, he's the, gone. He's gone. Yep. Uh, little sure shot. I thought only us Redskins are supposed to see spirits, Sarge. Don't worry, folks. Here's a lot more of them coming. Just hang on. So, still raining. They go on the hunt for the Unknown Soldier. They split up. All these stupid metaphors. Fog coming down like a sheet around a ghost. That whole sheet around a ghost thing. Yeah. I think it's repeated twice. Just the whole reference to fog and sheet and snow and sheets and ghosts and ghosts and ghosts and sheets and fog and sheets. Fog and sheets and ghosts and sheets. So he splits them up. Ice Cream Soldier and Bulldozer going off to the left flank. 
Champ and Wildman taking the right. Rock will take the center mm-hmm. along with Little Sure Shot. Mm-hmm. So he's walking along, and he says, um, "He says I've gone about a mile of the milky soup when I had that feeling, only the feeling that someone's following me. I'll step behind this tree and clobber him when he passes. And of course, it's Little, Little Sure Shot. He says, playing hide and go seek, Sarge. Don't." <laughs> Forget we engines invented the art of scouting. I'm tagging along so you shouldn't feel lonesome out there all by yourself. That's a good derogatory engine voice. I don't mean to be. It's just the only one I know. Right. Well, it's right. the only one they would have known at the time as well. <laughs> right, right. You mean you mean that readers and viewers, yeah. television viewers and readers, yeah. Uh, go back to the reservation, little Shersha. Damn it. Ah. Uh. <sighs> So, Rock and Little Sure Shot are attacked by Nazis, of course. They're yeah. hiding in the fog. So, I always love how the the heroes in these stories never use their weapons. They just punch. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, the, because the villains are shooting. Yeah, but the yeah. heroes can't be seen to intentionally murder anyone. So, if even the Nazis that died in the cave are a result of the unknown soldier. Because the unknown Oh, I see. Because the unknown soldier throws a grenade in the Jeep the um the in the cave the Jeep, for God's sake. No, he throws it in the tank. We'll see here in a minute. Right. So they're under attack by the Nazis. Punch, 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 punch. Mm-hmm. Here comes the unknown soldier. Rushing into the melee. Melee. Well, I'll agree to disagree. <laughs> Malay. <laughs> oh no, I'm thinking of Edna St. Vincent, aren't I? Uh, yes. <laughs> I just like how are you liking your cocktail? Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. I hate you. You do not. I know. Uh Sergeant Rock is back to back with the unknown soldier, punching and punching and punching. Mm-hmm. Back to back means he can't see his face. Right. Uh <sighs> these characters are tougher than stale pumpernickel. Yeah, is pumpernickel stale? I mean, is steel pumpernickel bad? To, to well, I guess it probably gets hard. It's like, a pretty dense bread, isn't it? Well, yes, but I mean, it, all bread gets hard when it's stale. Yeah. I don't know why you had to single out pumpernickel. Yeah. What does he have against pumpernickel? Well, because pumpernickel is a distinctly German bread. I like pumpernickel. I you? do too, but at this time, it wasn't seemly to no. be seen as liking anything German. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great page. Oh, the embrace? Where Which, Sergeant where? Rock embraces the Nazi? Oh, where they're punching and punching? Well, I guess... Yeah, the whole page spread of fight scene. <laughs> it kind of looks like a... Like one of those embraces you'd see in a blue movie, I suppose. <laughs> one of those wrestling films. Thud, thud, whack, boff, thud, whump, crunch, thud. Next page. Uh, now, <laughs> what? John's moved it. Moved the feathers on his cap. Little sure shot. Little sure shot. He's moved the feathers on his on his hat. They were up front before. Maybe he just turned, turned his hat around. around. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, remember the time I went to the Roman encampment recreation? Yes, I do. Uh, so you know these reenactors, they do. Usually around here we get Civil War reenactors, but there actually is a troop of Roman army encampment 
reenactors, and they are trying to be authentic by speaking Latin. Only none of them speak Latin. So they're marching down the field and they'll give orders like, turn them around them. <laughs> I remember when you came home and told me that and you were laughing. Oh, It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm not anti-cosplay at all. No, not at all. It was just a little a little silly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the context of when you saw that. Was that something you saw while you were at church one day in between the many services? That you would sing at? No, I made a special trip. I think I you were. On, I didn't go. You were on the cruise ship, or you were at America Round Playhouse. Okay. And I went with our friend. Will. We made yes. Yeah. We made an intentional special trip just to see the Roman encampment. Oh, you put the show. Not the even imagining that it would be as campy as it actually was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, here comes a little sure shot. Uh, you heap big chief to take on all those SS snakes by yourself. Good God. Sarge. You heap big chief. Yeah. What's he saying? He can speak English. <laughs> He's saying that was brave of you to fight all those Nazis by yourself. And Sarge says, what do you mean? I wasn't by myself. Unknown soldier was here. Right. Come on out, soldier. I want to see who I owe my dog tags to. Soldier. 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 And little big chief says to him, there's no uh... one here but us chicken, Sarge. You must have got some whack to make your. Uh, you must have gotten some whack to make. He's talking you about see, marijuana. <laughs> to make you see someone who ain't there. You scalped the SS Renegades all by yourself. Scalp. Hey everybody, I'm, I'm an Indian. I'm an Indian and I don't care. Uh, Just so I mean, this really bothered me. How many that that every panel that he spoke in had yeah. some sort of reference to him being Same. an Indian. It's like. We can't can't we tell by the feathers sticking out of your of your helmet and the fact that your skin is reddish reddish right you know uh, one of these soldiers is African American I think we can be grateful that he didn't have any lines yes yes um so Rock explains that he keeps seeing this unknown soldier oh no this is a little sure shot talking about Rock behind his back yeah. they think he's crazy we believe he's crazy. Um, Sarge has been in the line longer than anyone else twice over. We got to make him take a leave. He's, he's lost he's it. He's getting battle crazy. Right? Yeah. Um, now, I told you I'm not familiar extensively with these war comics. Okay. But there is a type of artistic uh, trope of Joe Kubert's that I really like a lot what? on this page where it's starting to snow when uh, they're. Page 10? Yeah. They're tramping through the woods and it's mm -hmm. snowing. Mm -hmm. That seems to me to be in any war comic I've ever picked up. There's a panel like this, and I really love it. What do you like about it? Just the way that it's just so evocative. It's very abstract, but you can immediately tell that it's snowing. Mm -hmm. I can tell what the temperature is. Mm -hmm. I can tell that they're miserable. Yeah. And that it's a beautiful woods. You know what? What? I wonder if that has anything to do with um, your favorite sky. It could. You'll have to remind me of what my favorite sky is. Well, we used to live out um, in Sharpsburg, uh -huh. and we would walk to Antietam all the time. Uh -huh. And I remember on one of our walks with the dogs, the dogs we no longer have, yes, Safi and Freddie, but I remember on one of your walks, we there was an, a clear, well, it wasn't foggy, but it was it was clear down at ground level. But the sky had this gorgeous kind of bluish grayish clouds. 
Yeah. And uh, and the sun was shining on it in such a way that you could really just sort of make out distinctly the patterns and, 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 and the textures of the clouds. And it was a bluish gray day. And you said, you know, that's my favorite kind of sky. Was it November? It was, uh, well, the leaves were already off the trees. Oh, that figures then. Yeah. Why? Yes. Well, that's my favorite time. The yeah. month between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like uh, I, I like autumn the best when the leaves are turning. It's my favorite time of year. Um, but I also, I mean, look outside the window. Look at all the trees in bloom. It was very nice outside yeah. until your dog tried to go after another dog. Which one? Butler. No, I mean, what dog was he going after? Oh, I don't know. There's two Weimaraners or something. Somebody is oh. walking. Oh. Uh. It's too bad there's no kind of training that can break him of that. Well, I don't know. I, I'm still recovering from him lurching at a squirrel when I was going for a run. Well, hurt my arm. then we should put some kind of squirrel traps out <laughs> to eliminate all the squirrels. <laughs> the squirrels. Let's get back to this comic, shall Let's we? Let's do, because here comes a tank right through the woods. Well, I guess it was snowing so heavily, and the, and the wind was in such a direction and muffling the sounds that yeah. you couldn't even hear the tank. Uh, so Sergeant Rock whips out his bazooka, but it's jammed. Yeah. How fire. many times have you whipped out your bazooka and find, only to find it jammed? A lot, lately. Yeah. Ever since I went on this keto diet. <laughs> uh, not to worry, here comes the unknown soldier. That showed up twice before when Rock was on the hot seat. Mostly in silhouette. Right. Climbs up onto the tank and throws in a grenade and blasts the top right off the grenade. Well, now Rock is starting to doubt himself. He says, who's to say that the tank didn't run over a mine? Right. Uh, There's no proof. I've never heard the soldier's voice. Right. No proof that he actually exists except as a figment of my imagination. And he notices that the um, beside the collapsed uh, tank that has been blown apart, the unknown soldier is standing there making a gesture of some sort, and he realizes that Rock, Sergeant Rock realizes that he's gesturing at another tank that's coming up right behind him. Right. Sarge turns and gets caught. Not He doesn't get fired upon, but he gets caught in the, the blast, the, you know, and it, and it temporarily blinds him. Um, blind, 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 I'm blind! I'm blind. Uh, as he's Paul, blind... Paul, I can't see. I'm blind. <laughs> oh, that was a great episode. Mary. Little House on the Prairie. Boy, if I ever want to see you cry, all I have to do is play that episode. Uh, honestly, all you have to do is play any episode of Little House on the Prairie, and I will be in tears. Ma is good. Oh, that's... The, oh, stop it. <laughs> so, now that Sergeant Rock is blind, now the guy talks. Yeah, walks up behind him, puts his hand on his shoulder, and guides Sergeant Rock into firing his bazooka at the new tank that's coming. Yeah, he tells him to bring it to the uh, bazooka back to the right. You're aiming too far to the left. He said, I'll slip forward the, the range stud forward a notch. That'll put you in business. And he tells him when to fire, and he steps back and fires. And Sarge fires and blows the other tank that he can't see. Right. Completely apart. Blang! And he thanks the soldier, who then takes him uh, with his hand on his shoulder and leads Sarge back to Easy Company. Right. Sarge all the time saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You named it, Sarge. I'm just another soldier. He just, you know, just continued to talk in enigmas. So he leads Sarge back through the woods. Sarge says, I can't wait for the guys to see you. 
And they get right to the edge of the encampment. And he says, Easy's right in front of you, Sarge. And he leaves. And Sarge, is like, Sarge says, where, where, where are you going? He says, I'm going back, Sarge. I got a feeling that bad luck knocks three times. And the enemy is going to slip another tank through. Might as well stop it before it reaches our lines. So he just turns around and goes back into the snow. Sarge follows him. Right. I, I guess he can kind of see now, you know. Can he, though? Uh, so he can see the soldier attacking the tank. He can see that the tank is going to run over the soldier. Yeah. The tank pins him down. Yeah. And he pulls a grenade. Right. Blows up the tank while it was pinning him down, blowing himself up. Up with the tank. Yeah. So the next day, the after next a couple day, of outfits have leapfrogged over over easy, it was our turn to cross the river. There, the party of top brass around the tank, they were carrying a covered stretcher. Uh, there's no way of identifying the soldier who got killed stopping this tank, yeah. two-star general, who says, he's exactly the whom we want to rest in the tomb of the unknown soldier back home, a fighting man who will never be known except to God. But the brass is wrong because Sergeant Rock does know him well. Well, we he never knew his name, but he And we don't knew. actually know if it's him because they picked one from... Pacific in the Europe. Well, let's not crush Sergeant Rock's hopes or his beliefs. Um, I it's don't... It's a nice tale of Obama, isn't it? It is a nice tale, except I don't like the implication that Sergeant Rock survived the war. I think it would be a better narrative if we just didn't know if he survived or not. Oh. Don't you? Yeah, I guess. Um, it might have been... Perhaps better if, if maybe his son or daughter had been at the at the grave of the tomb of the unknown soldier maybe. and recalled a story her father told her, because then we would never know. But that also implies that he survived the war. Well, what do you want, Bob? I want to not know that Sergeant Ross survived the war. Oh, I want it left up in the air. Although I think it has been established in DC Comics that he did survive the war. All right, because he's teamed up as an old man. He's teamed up with Batman and. With whom? Batman. Batman. And I think he's, you know, a general now or something. I don't know. As I told you, I don't read war comics. Hey, guess what's coming up? What is coming up? A romance drama. Oh, I am so excited. Now, I believe this is not the first time that all of the actors in the radio drama have recorded at different times from different places. Right. But I'm just going to say it is the first time that it's happened on this podcast. No. Actually, it's not. Um, Anyway, stay tuned. It's coming right up. Three girls, their lives, their loves is a true life expose revealing the secrets of three beautiful career gals sharing a penthouse in glamorous New York City. In an apartment on New York's fashionable east side, magazine reporter Roy Peters interviews the occupants of Penthouse 5. You gals have made dazzling successes out of your lives. TV model, advertising executive, fashion designer. How did you happen to break into your fields? Chris, would you begin? Well, ever since I was a little girl back in Cedar Grove, I've been crazy about designing clothes. I guess nobody took me seriously then. 
design is for a beautiful queen. Yes, darling, queen of the bubble bath. And when I grew up, I was still hipped on the idea of becoming a fashion designer. I spent two years in a New York art school where... Excellent, Miss Mason. You shouldn't have much trouble landing a job after you graduate. And I didn't. These designs of yours show real originality, Miss Mason. They really swing. How would you like to join our little team here as assistant editor of Fashion World magazine? Oh, Mr. Patton, would I like it? I'm so thrilled. I I don't know what to say. Of course, it wasn't all peaches and cream. There were more kooky boners on the way up than I care to remember. But I finally made it. Managing editor. Well, that ends my true confessions. Now it's your turn to tell all, Sandy. My story may strike you as being a bit unusual. You see, I'm from Cedar Grove, too. At the age of seven, I had my own pony, complete with stable and groom. And at 15, my own jaguar boat and apartment. (laughs) So you must be wondering why I decided to go to work for a living as a model? Well, the fact was, I was just plain bored with having things handed to me on a solid gold platter. Boo-hoo, how touching. The poor little rich girl act. Okay, okay. Before you turn this place into a battlefield, there's one more story to go. Yours, Marion. Uh, my story? Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to skip the details about my life in Cedar Grove. Let's just say I outgrew my hometown practically overnight and went someplace where I could lose myself. New York. And that's where, at a benefit art show at the Waldorf, which my advertising agency sponsored, I ran into two other rejects from Cedar Grove, Sandy and Chris. We renewed our old friendships, and all of us wound up in Penthouse 5 together. I'll bet the story you didn't tell me is a lot more fascinating than the story you did tell. Maybe. But that's all you're going to hear. Okay, okay. Thanks for your time, girls. I'll send you a copy of the interview as soon as the magazine comes out. I'll see you to the door, Mr. Peters. There's a deep, dark secret here in Penthouse 5. Marion, you've been keeping something from us. Yes, and it sounds delicious. Come on, kid, what's the big secret? Stop bugging me. I I haven't any secrets. Just leave me alone. Well, if you ask me, that girl's trying awfully hard to forget something. And I'll bet it's a man. You can say that again. It's always a man. Wow, look at the time, and I've got a date tonight. Come on, help me pick out something to wear. Have I met this one before? You know I'm having a hard time keeping track of your boyfriends. As a matter of fact, you haven't met Phil. Just wait till you meet him. He's picking me up at eight. He's some hunk of a man. Sandy, what about Marion? Do you think I should have a heart-to-heart talk with her? Oh, let her have a good cry. She'll be all right. That's him. Chris, be an angel. Get the door. Okay, but hurry up. He sounds just my type. 
How do you do? I'm Phil Preston, Sandy's friend. Hi, I'm Chris Mason. Come on in. Would you like a drink or something? Sandy should be ready in a minute. Thank you. No. We have a swing in time ahead of us at the Copa. Wow, sounds like you two are in for a real blast. Yes, and here's the fab chick that's going to put me into orbit. Put you in orbit? Then what am I doing in New York? I should be down at Cape Kennedy working on rockets. Baby love, you wouldn't do that to me, would you? I'd have to become an astronaut just to be near you. Nice meeting you, Phil. Have a good time, kids. Same here, Chris. All systems go. What a gas that Phil Preston is. What's that? Marion? Marion? Well, she must be asleep. Poor kid. I wonder what's really bothering her. Phil, I don't want this evening to end. Good night, darling. I'm falling in love with Phil. Good night to you. Thanks for a wonderful time. Marion! Gee, you startled me. Sandy, I've got to talk to you. Boy, did I have a grand time tonight. They really do a wild frug at the Copa, and Phil, he's a gas. Please, it's important. Listen to me. It's... it's about Phil. Phil? What about him? I, I just don't think he's your type. He's a real operator, a phony. Really, Marion, don't you think it's a little late for you to start putting a Brand X sign on Phil? Beside, I know him a little better than you. Sandy, please! Come on, honey, you're still upset about that interview. And look, tomorrow I'll introduce you to Phil. You'll love him, he's a real doll. I've got an early modeling job in the morning. I'll see you at dinner tomorrow. See you then. Sandy, you're a fool. I know Phil is no good for you. I know what he's really after. The next morning at Marion Tyler's office. We've landed the La Femme perfume account. It's up to you guys to make every woman in America crazy about that obnoxious scent they call perfume. Aw, oh, come off it, boss. You know every woman in America is already crazy. Well then, it's up to you to see that the few remaining sane ones are committed to the La Femme products. Check, boss. Miss Tyler, there's a call for you from Cedar Grove on extension 12, and Mr. Wingate is here about the Paris Originals account. Thank you. I'll take that call first. Your secretary is one of the sweetest little numbers around here, boss. What I wouldn't give to take that chick out. How about assigning me to her for a change? I'm a woman, too. Why do they treat me like one of the boys? You've got your assignments. Now hit the drawing boards. Hello? Mr. Sims? I don't understand. Why are you calling me? Don't you want to speak to your daughter Sandy? No, and please don't tell her that I've called. 
I'm coming into New York in a few days. It's important that I see you, Marion. I'm depending on you. But why me, Mr. Sims? What can I do to help you? Don't ask questions now. I promise to explain when I see you. All right? Okay. In a few days, then. Goodbye, Mr. Sims. <coughs> what could Sandy's father want with me? Maybe he knows about... Phil! Hello? Feel better today? You were really out of it last night. Sure, I'm in the groove again. Great. Now don't forget, we're all having cocktails tonight at Sardi's. Six sharp. At six o'clock, we find the girls at the world-famous restaurant, Sardi's. Gee, what a hectic day. The new line of Paris fashions are keeping me hopping. What a pity. Maybe you're too tired to see Phil Preston. I'd be glad to take him off your hands. Very funny, Miss Mason. Hands off that doll. He's private property. Too bad. I just thought he might like a new landlord, that's all. I don't think Phil Preston is worth fighting over. You're kidding, aren't you? No, I'm not kidding. In fact, I've never been more serious in my life. I've heard enough. You're just blowing hot air. Let her finish, Sandy. Somehow Marion knows more about Phil than either of us thinks. And I think it all has something to do with the big mystery behind why Marion left Cedar Grove. I not only knew Phil Preston, I was engaged to him. Back in Cedar Grove... Our romance was right out of the pages of a flaming love novel. I love you more than anything, darling. I want to know all there is about you. At the time, I was working for the Apex Construction Company, while Phil worked for the Brown Company, a rival firm. I had taken some office work home one evening. Phil, that's confidential. You shouldn't be looking through that. Relax, baby. I thought you were writing to another man. And you know how jealous I am. But Phil knew exactly what he was after. The amount of my firm's bid on a big construction job. In my office the next day... I can't understand how the Brown Company got that job away from right under our noses. They seem to have known exactly what our bid was. <gasps> they did know what our bid was, and I knew how they found out. Go on, admit it. The only reason you became engaged to me was to steal my company's secrets. That's the way the ball bounces, baby. If there was a simpler way of getting the info, I would have saved myself an engagement ring. And you? A few salty tears. <laughs> what else was left for me to do after that but to leave Cedar Grove and the horrible memory of Phil? You've got to believe me, Sandy. Every word I've told you is true. For your own good, you must believe me. I know you wouldn't lie to me, Marion, but I love him and trust him. I loved him and trusted him, too. He wants something from you. It's a trap, I tell you, a trap! She's right, Sandy. You better listen to her. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I love him. How can I give up the man I love? 
In the next chapter, Sandy comes to a surprising and unexpected decision. Also, the arrival of Sandy's father provides a sensational complication. Follow this exciting drama in the next episode of Three Girls, Their Lives, Their Loves.